Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome, friends. It's the Movie Boom Podcast. Okay. Welcome to a movie film commentary track. I am Zachy Hassan. And I'm Brian Hall. Hey, what's up? Eh, not much. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're in the we're in the, the run up to Thanksgiving. Yeah, which is basically, I always liken it to uh, the rest of the year. It's like walking up these steps to a slide, and then the slide, you go down it with your hands in the air, and the next thing you know, it's January 1st. That, I, 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 I dig that metaphor, man. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm walking up the steps to the slide right now, and I'm like, whew. <laughs> D- definitely feeling a, a little bit of that. But uh, as we head into what I presume will be a very busy holiday season, I was like, you know, uh, we should try to squeeze in at least uh, a couple more commentary tracks before mm-hmm. the year closes out. Right. Absolutely. And and since a new Ghostbusters sequel is in theaters. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, we, we, we've had a Ghostbusters movie in theaters, but, but mm. uh, it's been a while since we've gotten a Ghostbusters sequel. Right, right. Uh, I thought, you know, let's, let's, uh, let's uh, step in the old Wayback Machine and watch the original 1984 Ghostbusters. And this is another, yet again, one of those movies I cannot believe we haven't done already. So. Well, we are, we are scratching it off the list. Yeah, yeah. And I'm very excited because I am... I would say familiar with this movie, but I didn't quite grow up with this movie like you did. And so I don't have that, you know, fandom. And I'm very excited to watch this movie with you and have uh, <laughs> all your, you know, knowledge dropped on me. So, oh, pressure, pressure's on. <laughs> it's too much pressure. <laughs> <laughs> like, gotta go. I know. <laughs> Zaggy, Zaggy. Yeah. It's just two hours of you. Zaggy, you coming back? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's the whole track, right? <laughs> like, well, there, there's a uh, uh, Bill Bill Murray's here, and uh, he's playing. I'm assuming a ghost buster of some kind. Right. <laughs> <Zachy>. <laughs> it's like Garth when he gets abandoned in Wayne's World. <laughs> right. I'm having a good time. <laughs> well, that that was part of the conversation I wanted to have with you was your own familiarity with the film, but but I will save that for when we are watching it. Yeah. Uh, so I figured let's let's take a little break and then we can hop back in and we can watch the theatrical cut, uh, the only cut of 1984's Ghostbusters. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we are back and we're ready to go. Brian, you ready to do this? I'm ready. Queued up. So we are both queued up on our end as usual. Uh, I will count to three. So we'll go one, two, three, and then play. If you want to watch along with us, you certainly can. We'll try to keep the conversation lively enough that, uh, you know, you you don't have to watch along. And hopefully uh, that works just fine, too. Yeah. Here we go, Brian. You ready? I'm ready. All right. So on three. One, two, three. Play. Columbia Pictures. I'm so used to that uh, newish. Yeah, well, and it would say Sony. Right. (laughs) So Ghostbusters was the biggest hit in the history of Columbia Pictures up to that point. And for a while afterwards, too. Yeah, I I looked it up and adjusted for inflation. This would be the 32nd highest grossing movie of all time. Pretty impressive. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's as of today, so one can only imagine how big of a hit it was relative to other movies back then when it came out. Yeah, I, uh, I was just curious, too, because I was looking it up. I mean, this is kind of a unique movie. I mean, it, as far as I know, it sort of launched a genre, which is sort of the sci-fi comedy, right? Like, you think now Men in Black and, and movies like that, right? I mean, yeah, you know, when you really think about it... It's definitely it definitely launched the modern iteration, but I would argue that it's not all that far removed from Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, mm. or you know, sure, those, you know, and and that's a film that I'm sure even Dan Aykroyd would say was was sort of part of the the lineage of this, you know, where you have comedic situations, but the the world it it's it's the stakes are real, you know, mm-hmm. and you know of, that yeah yeah sorry. Uh, no, I was just going to say, I mean, that to, that's what, to me, what makes Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein work is it's Abbott and Costello wander into the universal monsters world, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is, you know, that's supposed to be quote unquote scary, you know? Right. right. And that's what Ghostbusters is like. No, that's a good call. I, and by the way, I just, it's worth pointing out. I remember seeing this movie for the first time, I think it was at a sleepover or something in this whole opening library sequence was it was properly spooky for a a young child you know late at night in a friend's (laughs) basement it's uh it really is like that fun mixture of spooky and funny it it certainly it it had the exact right mix Mm -hmm. yeah i didn't even really think to consider it another way but yeah i mean if you go a little too much this way then it isn't fun (laughs) you know and or even yeah, for and, kids. And, I mean, you think of this as sort of like a, a, a movie for all ages, you know? Yeah, it's the the filmmakers knew they had to play for all four quadrants. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you, by this time, you know, Bill Murray, especially Bill Murray, had a very specific established screen persona. Mm-hmm. And he was playing he was playing the Bill Murray character. 
right? right? Uh, but this is definitely the most family-friendly movie he had done up to that point. Right, right. And I mean, it's got an edge, right? Yeah. I, I mean, just this scene right here, right? I mean, Van Kman is is just this side of... Uh, you know, predatory. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> it's weird how that in the eighties, that that those were our screen heroes. They were like slightly rapey. It's true, and it's it's so weird to go back and revisit and see what sort of behavior was like played for laughs. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this scene is great, though, man. You know, this Brian. I have to say, this is uh, like. This is a karaoke movie for me. Like I have to fight yeah. the urge to just, uh, just, ju- just perform the entire thing. You know. Yeah, you know, and see, and like I, I alluded to earlier, I mean, it, it isn't for me, and I've seen it many, many times since. But uh, I think a lot of that is thanks to my friends who did grow up with this movie. Yeah, much in the way that I did with, say, like Star Wars or something, and so. I've sort of caught up to it, but I don't have it embedded in my fabric from childhood, like many my age. See, I put this movie in the same bucket as Back to the Future mm. and uh, Goonies to some extent, mm-hmm. you know, in uh, Temple of Doom, yeah, right, which was the same year as this, yeah. Uh, like to me, they all kind of that's just no, that's like the the nineteen eighties kid starter kit, right, right, <laughs> I mean, right. <laughs> yeah you know well so speaking of temple of doom so i looked up the budget i was very curious for a movie that you know that obviously has big stars in it but does feel like well people get this i mean it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of horror-ish but it's also fun but it's supposedly for families the budget for this was 30 million dollars amazing and temple of doom's budget was 28 million dollars <laughs> no yeah, that was crazy and, wow <laughs> yeah and but this movie went on to gross almost 100 million dollars more than temple of doom well, temple of doom was like perceived as a bit of a disappointment right like yeah well in in building on that even further you know temple of doom had a lot of sort of horror elements that led to the invention of the PG-13 rating because PG right. wasn't enough, right? And uh, Gremlins was released the same day as Ghostbusters. And so yeah. I was realizing, well, wow, that summer, there was just really something in the ether, wasn't there? Like, like <laughs> just this sort of horror, like horror yeah. mixed with fun was yeah. really the, the MO for, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the youth that summer. It's... I'm I'm remembering back to when I saw this and you know my first exposure uh as with most of these 80s especially early 80s things was through my brother right uh mm-hmm. I remember he came home from school and uh he probably he had one of those magazines like Dynamite or something yeah yeah some yeah article you know uh some article about it and he's like you know that's Ray and that's Peter and that's you know and mm-hmm. so I I that's such a distinct part of my and this movie came out 84 so I had not even turned five at the time that it came out yeah but from then like it's just i've i've known ray peter egon and winston they've been my childhood friends ever since then you know yep yep i remember he came home with like the the activity pack from scholastic books and it's like the little sticker book and the storybook and all that totally <laughs> totally. Oh, all that stuff is so those sticker books, man. Th- that brings it back. Remember you'd have the two stickers that would combine to make one bigger picture and you yep. line them up just so. Yeah, th- those were the um uh like the Panini or something. That was the company. Mm. 
um, where um, you, you could buy the books at like grocery stores. Do you remember? Yep. That? Yep. Right. Yep. And for for everything, they had those for it was like for uh, every like kid property. For me, I the one I remember most was Ninja Turtles. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. The time you tried to drill a hole through your head, Egon. <laughs> I love that, and I love that Egon's like that would have worked if you hadn't stopped me. Right. <laughs> you know what I thought was kind of cool in researching this. I mean, I think it's uh, well known at this point that the original Ghostbusters script was a lot different. Right, yeah. the, the first draft that Dan Aykroyd did was like a huge sci-fi blockbuster extravaganza right where it would i believe is in the future correct and yeah he well it was it was the future of 2012 the oh, world really? of tomorrow yeah and it's like ghostbusters <laughs> were just like firemen you know That's like right. there were lots of different ghostbusters and uh but then it yeah yeah it, it posited a completely fantasy world in which these blue collar guys exist mm-hmm mm-hmm and and I think uh, uh, Harold Ramis and Ivan Reitman very smartly said, "Let's let's dial this back, kind of narrow the focus." Mm-hmm. And uh, you realize how you really needed all of those elements to make the movie what it was. Yeah, and and my point being, when you were saying that about you know Egon's line, and it's really interesting then what they took. And what they turned it into. And it, apparently Dan Aykroyd, Harold, Harold Ramis, and Ivan Reitman spent three weeks at Martha's Vineyard revising uh-huh. the original script. And they were like, okay, let's figure these guys out. You know, and they made Aykroyd the heart and Murray the mouth and Egon the brain. And it's, <laughs> no, it's very clear. No human being would stack books like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be karaokeing this thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> whole thing. I love that right? where, where Ray is like, listen. Do you smell something? That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, you smell something? Come on, that's funny. <laughs> oh my god, I love this movie so much, Brian. Man, I it's making me sad that I'm not on the same like <laughs> threshold with you. Like I again, I enjoy it, but I I don't know it this well. <laughs> no, but but I think that's I think... the trick too is like sometimes you can bring in these you know, or they're not all, but you bring in these SNL guys and let them sort of be themselves. But I think what they did really well was to make sure that each person was distinct and they weren't all just jokesters. Yeah. that Well, and that's really the thing. I mean, I think there is no movie without Bill Murray. Right. Right. And, and you realize why is that? It's because each of them serves a specific function. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, the, we all know at this point, you know, originally Aykroyd wrote it with the the intention of pairing with John Belushi again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we wonder what that would have been like. Who knows? Right? And you can kind of picture it. I mean, the the humor would be sli- slightly different, but it is the the mouth again. Yes. Right? Well, and, and I think to that point, I think I think Ghostbusters and Blues Brothers are very similar in that sense that they both still exist in a world where there are sort of heightened things happening, but it's still a, Mm. an approximation of the real world. Right. Right. Uh, You know, this is uh, like this here, the ghost is scary and they're reacting realistically Mm -hmm. 
to, well, this is a weird thing and we know what are we supposed to do here? You know, right. this, I, this moment right here where he's like, well, what do we do? You yeah. know? <laughs> this is Come what here, I Francine. remember from being a kid. I remember this ghost really scaring me. Oh yeah. Yeah. But you know, when you think about it, I mean, the library ghost is probably as scary as the movie gets. I, yeah, I was just going to say, I don't think any other ghost scares me as much as this one. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's one scare later where where Sigourney Weaver is on the couch oh. and the monster sort of yeah right yeah 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 uh, that that's a good one but I I think it this is pretty much where it sets the level here mm-hmm. uh, and and I like that you get one uh, you know yeah. and it's still funny like that's the genius of it is this here. What the Ghostbusters are doing, the future Ghostbusters, it's funny, mm-hmm. but it's not like over the top funny. Yeah, it's such a it's there's there's alchemy involved, you know, right? And the score, you know, the, reinforcing the, the score too. Yeah. El- Elmer Bernstein's score, fun. yeah. <laughs> Don't be scared, <laughs> you know. <laughs> that, that actor, by the way, that's John Rothman. Uh, the brother of uh, Tom Rothman, ah. who I think is currently the head of Sony, I yeah, think, right yeah. now, right? Previously at Fox, yeah. Uh, previously at Fox, that's right. He's he's kind of, that guy, John Rothman, is like the perpetual, mm, he has that like, <laughs> sort of, he's got this backed up look on his face all the time. I love that description. <laughs> For a guy who's kind of, mm. <laughs> oh, get Rothman on the I phone. am just, get me John Rothman. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Okay, so thought experiment. So you get Dan Aykroyd's first draft of this, and it's this big extravaganza. These days in 2021, is that the movie you make? Because you can. That's a good question. You know, because you can, right? Yeah, and not that it wouldn't have been good. Actually, that does sound kind of interesting, right? Where there's a ton yeah. of these guys, and maybe they're the the bumbling one, and they've got to prove themselves or something or other. But like, there is something that I think, like you say, makes this work where it's just these regular people encountering these crazy things. Yeah. It, I mean, it's just these guys who are trying to start their own business. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's something that anybody can relate to. Right. You know, right. Uh, I, I think that's what makes it work. You know, this, this actor, by the way, that's, that's Jordan Charney. He played Mr. Angelino on three's company. If you ever watched that show, mm. he was Jack Tripper's boss. But, uh, you know, and he's, you know, what I love is this movie is stacked with sort of these archetypal character actors mm. who they, they play a specific kind of character and you just know right away. But, you know, hey, our main characters lost their job. Okay, now what? Right. You know? And and so the leap to becoming Ghostbusters doesn't feel as much of sort of like jumping across a chasm in terms of audience, like people buying mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Right, you, you, you. I say this all the time, right? Like the, the suspension of disbelief will go as far as the boundaries that you erect. Mm-hmm. And this movie has already laid out the boundaries. You know, within the first five, ten minutes, we've seen a ghost. Right. Sure. So this is a world where ghosts exist. Okay. So, so now, like, my point is this, right? Like, if you have space aliens show up, we'd be like, "What? Come on!" <laughs> right. Right. But ghosts exist. Right. Right, but there's still characters who are going to act somewhat realistically. They are humorous characters in a realistic world. Right, right. You know, 
Wait, can you call it luck? Call it fame. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of starts singing it a little bit. It's funny because I isn't that in the trailer for the new one or something? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I've heard it a lot recently because I've seen that trailer so many times. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> My parents left me that house. I was born there. Everybody <laughs> has three mortgages. <laughs> I'm I have to stop myself. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go through it. It's so funny. I don't know. Wait, can you get into the story then behind the title, Ghostbusters? Well, yeah, the I think they they started out with Ghostbusters, the thing they wanted to call it, but that was that was a filmation TV show in the in the seventies, right. right? It had Forrest Tucker and uh, the uh, oh, what's the guy's name, Larry Storch. <laughs> Wait, right? is that from a punchline on The Simpsons? I I think it is. Storch? I don't remember. I don't remember the joke. I don't either. It is definitely, but I don't remember the setup for it. But you know, they they were on F Troop. Oh, okay, okay. So, so it's these it's these two guys and a gorilla, and they ride around in this jalopy, right. uh, busting ghosts. I don't know the context. It was called the Ghostbusters, right? And and so Filmation owned the name, and so they tried like Ghost Breakers, Ghost Blasters. Hmm. There's even some outtakes you can see on on YouTube where uh, the you know the little TV ad later, where they're like Ghostbusters, we're ready to believe you, mm-hmm. you know that whole thing. They shot different versions of that with different names because they didn't know yet if they were cleared to get the title. I had read that and I didn't know if it was true. So I was going to yeah. ask you, wow, okay, okay. So, wow, yeah. can you imagine being in production and not knowing? Not knowing, yeah. yeah. You know, and and so the uh, essentially Filmation, they made a deal with them. And Filmation, I mean, this is an animation company you're very familiar with. I mean, you know, they did yeah, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe and She-Ra and all this other stuff. I mean, they were the big dog from the 70, 60s, 70s, 80s into the 80s. Mm-hmm. And really, arguably, Ghostbusters is what ended up causing them to go bankrupt. Wow. In the sense that the, when they made the deal to to let uh, Columbia uh, use the name, they didn't put it in the contract. Like, but mm. we get to make the animated cartoon show, right? And so, you know, of course, there was a very, very successful animated show that was made by Deek, mm-hmm. uh, D I C, which is, people in the animation industry said it stood for "Do It Cheap." Right. right. Because their animation quality was terrible. It was a good show, but uh, Filmation said, oh, well, we're going to do our own Ghostbusters show based on their Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I I think I speak for many 80s kids who tuned in, you know, WFLB uh, weekday afternoon, mm-hmm. and there's Ghostbusters. I'm like, hey, great. And then, like, what the hell is this? I was just going to be like, what the heck is this? Like, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the two guys and the gorilla. Yeah. It didn't even resemble. Know? Yeah. The 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 Deke, uh, you know, the licensed Ghostbusters cartoon based on the movie was called the Real Ghostbusters, which is hilarious. Which was really just them sticking a finger yeah. in the eye of filmation, <laughs> yeah. right? It's like adding insult to injury, right? right. <laughs> because really, filmation had the real Ghostbusters, right? And wasn't there an old Bob Hope movie called Ghost Breakers or something? Or Ghost Breakers? Right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. See this this ad right here? They shot alternate takes of it and and in fact like you you're not on the screen when they say ghostbuster so it could ah oh no they they, no they are they are saying it i'm sorry i was wrong about that but yeah they shot 
they they shot alternate versions of it. Yeah, so you can imagine it was like looped. Yeah, just as easily. You know? Yeah. That ad, that little TV ad uh, shows up in the new film in uh, Ghostbusters right. Afterlife, by the way. Yeah, I read that uh, while the film was in its release, they uh, put out a trailer that was basically that commercial, but they replaced the number with a the five 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 number with an one eight hundred number, so people could call. And uh, so there was like a recorded message from Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd being like, sorry, we're out <laughs> catching funny. ghosts. And uh, there's your first shot of Mr. Stay Puffed right there on that package. Yeah. Which, you know, uh, is such a genius design that it feels like it should exist. It, that's exactly right? right. It's pretty. It's it's this combination of the, the Michelin man and um, what's his name? The <laughs> what's his oh, name? Pillsbury Doughboy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Michael Jackson. <laughs> um yeah and and it just totally works and and Ackroyd talked about i mean he had the marshmallow man in his script but it was like page 20 you Mm. know and that's one of those things where as they wrote it they're like no 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 we we got to build up to this right and it's so funny because uh first of all that scene that we just saw where uh, she opens the fridge and there's the little puppet of the of the of the terror dog. Yeah. Uh, the filmmakers talked about how when they screened the film, the effects weren't done yet, mm. and so she opens the fridge and it just says like insert effects shot, <laughs> and then she screams and shuts the fridge. But people were still terrified, right. just based on her reaction. Oh, that's you know? funny. That must have felt good. <laughs> you knew you had them. <laughs> Exactly. I love this. I mean, it's just the shocks, brakes, brake pads, lining, steering. And I love Bill Murray's reaction when he says the price. <laughs> Only 4800 uh. By the way, so this location, the exterior at least, is uh, uh, the hook and ladder number eight firehouse in Tribeca in New York, which I've actually visited. Which was oh, did you? Cool. Is it? Is it? I would assume it's a fairly popular uh, tourist attraction. Yeah, there were other people taking pictures, and uh, they had the little Ghostbuster logo on the ground, like sort of okay. the cement in front. So it's very cool. <laughs> Stop staring, me! You got the you got the bug eyes, mm-hmm. <laughs> Janine. Sorry about the bug eyes. <laughs> Harold Ramis. I should mention. I I had the opportunity to meet him yeah. uh, about twenty years ago now. He came to Columbia College. Uh, you know, he lived in Chicago. I think he lived on the north side. Oh. You know, so um, he he came and, you know, he he kind of spent a day going and talking to different, uh, a couple different classes. But I saw him, he spoke in like a small, uh, intimate auditorium, mm-hmm. you know, and he spoke about his career or whatever. And then there's nice Q&A. And I had opportunity to chat with him very briefly afterwards. And just it was just so nice. He signed my Ghostbusters DVD insert. That's cool. And uh, he knew even then, like that was the role, right? Sure. He had done so many things. Of course, he had done Groundhog Day and everything else. But like that was the role that for an entire generation he would be beloved because of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and he, he was full, and at the, this is oh one. He was still. He talked about like we're trying to get a third one made. Let's see what happens. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that's one of those sad things. He never got that opportunity. Yeah. You know. Sigourney Weaver was already a big star at the time of this movie. Yeah, Alien. Uh, yeah, because of Alien, and 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 uh, her her role was kind of. I mean, for her, it was something different because she wasn't she hadn't done comedy, right? Right. But she really wanted the job. Uh, Ivan Reitman talked about how she auditioned 
and sort of acted out turning into a dog. <laughs> <laughs> and there's sort of that surreal sense of like, wow, okay, I guess I, I guess we're giving the part. Job, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the thing that makes a movie like this work to me is that they t- spent a lot of time really solidifying the mythology. Mm. So I mean, it is it's all nonsense, <laughs> right? Like Zool and the gate, gate, gatekeeper sure. keymaster. There's that great bit much later where where uh, Rick Moranis is just yeah. you know he's been possessed and he's just reciting <laughs> this gibberish, yeah, right? Yeah. But the thing again, it 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 feels like they got their arms around it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Enough to make you go, I, I, Oh, I believe you. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. You know, I mean, the, yeah. the, the no, go ahead. No, no, no I was going to go off on another thing. Well, just, yeah. So real quick, I'll just say uh, the, the Bill Murray character, obviously he gets most of the best lines and he's yeah. hilarious throughout. Right. But, what I like is that when it matters, mm. he's serious. Yes, yes. Right? He treats the things that need to be treated seriously uh, as they should be. Yeah. By the way, this is my favorite joke. <laughs> they hate this. <laughs> they hate that. <laughs> <laughs> it's Dr. Venkman. <laughs> I love it. Um, you know, and it, this is kind of... Uh, I mean, we mentioned it a little bit earlier, but this sort of like cocky hero, like it was very eighties. Like we don't yeah. tend to see people like that. Actually, I'm, I'm watching psych, you know, with, uh, oh, with sure. Rica. and it's funny because he's yeah. very, he feels like he was born of he that does. a little bit. And if you cast it correctly, you like them. But if you cast that... it just slightly wrong, it's like, you kind of want to slap them. <laughs> You know? Yes, I I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just funny, though. Like, you just don't, you know, and then early 2000s, it felt like the hero it was sort of the Seth Rogen y, schlubby, sorry person. <laughs> You're like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't cool to be cool anymore. It was like, if you were cool, you didn't like them. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's funny. I mean, I think Bill Murray, though, he's got this sort of disarming quality to him, too, as cocky as he can get that just makes you on board with him. I th- well, I think, as I said earlier, I mean, Bill Murray uh, embodies the archetype that is the Bill Murray character. <laughs> yeah. So we have a whole bunch of other people who followed in his footsteps uh-huh. uh, to varying degrees of success. But uh, the same way, you know, you have certain people trying to embody the Han Solo swagger. Sure, sure. And so we have a whole, we have uh, entire rafts of, oh, well, that's the Han Solo character, mm-hmm. right? Well, the difference is is Harrison Ford is playing different roles. Bill Murray, at least at this stage of his career, was kind of playing the same guy, sure. right? Like, like uh, Venkman is not all that far removed mm. from uh, his character in Stripes, for example, right. you know, or or Porky's or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, like like or Police Academy. You've seen Police Academy? Porky's or Meatballs? Yeah. Sorry, I meant Meatballs. Yeah, yeah not Porky's. Um, uh, but you've seen Police Academy? I actually never have. You've never seen, never Police, seen Academy? Police Academy. I've seen Police Academy. Next commentary before, track. By the way, Miami oh. Beach. <laughs> that's the only one you've I seen. I think that's the only one I've ever seen. Well, that's very odd. That's that's oddly specific. Yeah. <laughs> but, but but regardless, uh, uh, I think I think Steve Gutenberg is in that one, right? Isn't he? Probably. 
<laughs> I saw it like it doesn't it, matter. Probably it, probably at a sleepover. And the only thing I remember, I've said it before, is I remember them writing on someone's chest with suntan lotion or sunscreen. Dork. <laughs> and so then he's out in the sun and later he's walking around. And everyone's like, hi, dork. <laughs> That's the only thing I know about Police Academy. <laughs> so what was I saying? Where sorry, going sorry. With? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I revisited the first one recently yes. and not even the whole thing. It was on TV and it's a few minutes. And I'm like, uh, it occurred to me. I'm like, oh, Gutenberg is playing mm, the Bill Murray character. Right. Like in a, in a different movie, that's Bill Murray. Right? right. So that was really for that decade. That was a pretty preeminent archetype mm-hmm. that we saw show up again and again, you know? Yeah. And yet, going back to what I was saying, what makes this movie work is he is a humorous character, but when it matters, mm-hmm. like he knows, he knows the job. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's like a little thing, you know, I mean, I've said it before and I don't want to criticize the the 2016 movie because I don't, I don't mind it, but that was a mistake that they made in my opinion Hmm. is they treated it like a comedy world. Right. Right. And, and, and that, that's where you lose people a little bit. Yeah. You know, know, that's something that I notice every now and then when I watch an eighties film, that's a comedy or even like an action movie. There's, typically less comedy in action than you remember. Like they actually yes, work really right. hard in the first act and they don't care how long it takes. Look at Die Hard, for example. There's yeah. a lot of setup in the first act of Die Hard before you get to any sort of action. But it's like they were oh, like, t- well, this is the best way to tell this story. This is how we're going to get you to care. And they didn't care if it took a minute to get you where you wanted to go, you know? To, to the point you're making, we're now 28 minutes in. Right, right. And this is 28 minutes in the Ghostbusters become the Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Like the first real set piece. Like I remember watching this as a kid and definitely feeling a little bit like, when are they getting to the fireworks factory? You know, there's, <laughs> yeah. There's definitely that, sure. you know, uh, I, I, but you know, as a kid, this was an adventure movie. Yeah. That had like scary elements. It was only as I got older, I was like, oh, wait, no, it's hilarious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's part of the reason the movie works. Right. Is because at different stages of your life, you you plug in in different ways. Would you say that this is, I mean, it's kind of more of a, a character comedy. Like the it's their characterizations yes. and whatnot that is funny versus actual sort of pratfalls and whatnot. Right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, their their interactions are funny. Yeah, yeah. Which you might not track as well the, as a youngster. Yeah, I mean, you know, there there's a. Uh, well, I remember, I remember. There's a thing coming up here where where they shoot the the their their proton blasters, and they're like, "Oh, we thought you were someone else." Like I remember thinking that was mm, weird. Yeah, yeah. As a kid. But stuff like dickless and yeah, right. know, this man has no dick. And I got, I, that just blew right past me, mm. you know? Now I think it's hilarious right. because, uh, you know, making jokes about people's uh, <laughs> lack of uh, <laughs> panacea, that's, that's, that's uh, priceless. I tell you. <laughs> Comedy gold. Comedy gold. Harold Ramis talked about how, like, if you're watching in pan and scan, this is where he just stops being in the movie. Man, isn't it? You almost take it for granted now, even though a majority of our lives we didn't have letterbox presentations. <laughs> right? But it's like, yeah, you were missing chunks. Sometimes I'll watch a movie mm-hmm. like this where things are framed like four shots. And it's like, yeah. wow, we would have just completely have been missing that. 
Well, and and when you would see there was a window there where it would like digitally pan across mm, the shot. Yeah, oh yeah, I can I can remember oh, that. Oh my god. Yeah. That that stutter. And, and in it, fact, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and this movie in particular was was especially guilty of that. I remember right. um this right here, this is a great moment where <laughs> he says to 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 turn on the pack and just the uh, Egon like creeping over to the side. <laughs> <laughs> Harold Ramis approached the role very specifically with uh, he will never smile. Oh, that's funny. And that was just this little piece of texture that he wove in. And and once you're aware of that, you're like, oh, yeah, that's it's an interesting yeah, choice it. because it definitely, yeah, you know? Yeah. You know, speaking real quick, I just have this written down, but the uh, you, you talk about the Bill Murray persona. And I had read somewhere that he only agreed to do this movie if Columbia would finance a remake of Razor's Edge with him as a star. Yeah. And I mean, that was sort of like a dramatic turn for him, right? That he wanted to do. And I think it was right. kind of a bomb, right? Yes, it was. Yeah. So maybe um, he was he was ready but, to to break out a bit. Well, I, I think that this that's the box that many comedic actors find themselves in, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's something that even Belushi pushed back against. Right where he tried to do more dramatic stuff and, you know, and, and sometimes it works, you know, Robin Williams was just as revered as a dramatic mm. actor, uh, uh, long before he passed away. You know right. I mean? He had, but even Bill Murray at this point, he's just thought of as a great actor. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, sure. Well, and he's, right. he's been, I mean, you know, that's the thing I always think about is it doesn't matter how good an actor you are. Like you have to find the material, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, Bill Murray's been lucky that he's had his lost in translations, you know, where he's been able to sort of, yeah, that's a good point. Show the whole spectrum of what he's able to do. His, his Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. So this guy, yeah, Slimer, think... I've always known him as Slimer, but I guess he's never really called that in this movie. He's yeah. He, well, he got the name because of the, the cartoon show, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in, I even remember when the, the, the toy line, uh, tying in with the cartoon show, they had the Slimer toy, but they called him Green Ghost. Oh wow! On on the the toy packaging, which makes me wonder if there was some rights thing that they hadn't locked in yet. You oh, know? funny. But I I definitely remember that. Like, uh, you know, at one point, um, Ray calls him an ugly Spud, mm-hmm. and you know, I I would just call him Spud because there was no name, right? And then on the cartoon, everyone calls him Slimer. I was like, oh, okay. You know, but it, it came in with that. Right, right. And that was, I think, an outgrowth of, you know, there was a thing in, in 80s cartoons where you wanted to give the heroes like a like a humorous sidekick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, like there was a Batman cartoon in, in the late 70s where, you know, it, it was Batman and Robin and Batmite, this like kind of impish character. Right getting into trouble that's and that's what the ghostbusters did and you had this character available yeah uh canonically he's been freed from the the trap by the end of the movie mm-hmm. so it works not that not that there's like a canon but you know what I mean. see i probably knew him as the cartoon character first so then seeing okay. him in here where he's not their buddy and he's kind of scary it's like <laughs> a very different you know he's he's been cute cuted up in the anime that's movies, right right yeah, and and I think uh, you know because he he's he's in the second film, Slimer is, mm-hmm. and he sort of has this kind of uh, 
you know, he, he pops up, you know, sort of, uh, uh, having a back and forth with, with, um, Rick Moranis, a character. Mm. I feel like that was done specifically because by then five years later, people had come to expect, well, you gotta have Slimer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because of the cartoon show. Right. Uh, I can't remember who it was. Somebody on my Facebook made this point that the the second one, which is not as well regarded, obviously, as this one. Uh, I I have an affinity for it. I know a lot of people do, but it does feel very much like a response to the animated show. Mm. So it's sort of a sequel to the cartoon as much as it's a sequel to this movie. In terms of like how the characters are, or yeah, like the like types of adventures. I mean, like the, the that yeah. Uh, and, and even, even, I mean, like things like Slimer, things like Janine, like the way she looks in the sequel oh, yeah. feels very much inspired by the cartoon, yeah. you know, the cartoon. I mean, I told you famous cheapskates, they didn't even get the, the likeness rights for the actors, which is why none of the Ghostbusters in the cartoon look like the actors. Right. Right. Uh, you know, they weren't even allowed to sound like the actors. Right. And yet that cartoon is really what kept the lights on for this franchise. Sure. Because because five years was a pretty long time back then, you know. Yeah. Oh sure. Especially yeah. if you're a kid. And that was part of uh, the sequel. Was part of that big '89 summer, right? Glass Crusade. Batman. Yeah, exactly. It it opened. I want to say like the week before or two weeks before Batman. So Ghostbusters two had the biggest opening weekend of all time for one week, <laughs> and then Batman overshot wow. it. So, so it it actually did okay, but I think Batman did sort of cut it off at the knees a little sure, bit. Sure, sure. You know. By the way, I love. You know they they have a word toyetic, right? When like a yes. property has something that's like you could get a lot of toys out of. I mean, those proton packs. Even though I wasn't a huge Ghostbusters fan as a kid, I loved the proton packs. Like I wanted one. You know what I mean? <laughs> like they're just something you want on your back because that looks cool, and like this thing you hold in your hand. And I love the idea that it's not like a straight laser blast type of thing. Like it's this weird unwieldy sort of beam that fluctuates and waves. And it's just, it's so unique and it's so, I love it. I think it's perfect. It's, it's iconic. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, they, they hit on something that was, was, and is unique unto itself. Mm -hmm. You know, I think when you think about it, the, the the play pattern that this allows for is is teamwork Mm, yeah like if your kids you know everybody gets to be a ghostbuster you know that's fun and and nobody has to be a ghost because that's just you can imagine it yeah that's a good point (laughs) you know yeah right down to the trap that's another great well that's i wanted to bring that up i mean they do such a good job of laying out the rules within this world Mm -hmm. you get the proton stream you wrap up the ghost in it you get the trap i mean i mean it is all nonsense right but it's it's real nonsense (laughs) right well it's very understandable yeah Yeah, very simple i mean i i just something as simple as you know the way you have the smoke coming out of there and stuff it just it it lends this verisimilitude Mm -hmm. to it yeah you know, and that is so now half hour in, we're into like the blue collar sort of uh, vision that, that Dan Aykroyd started out with a mm-hmm, little bit. Mm-hmm. 
is so funny where <laughs> Egon's like, I mean, he's just pulling the numbers out of his butt, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good point, too. Like, well, what do you want? We can just put it back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, and the, and the great thing is is in the context of the film, it's like all of a sudden, why are why are there ghosts? You know, yes. and like there've never been ghosts before. Suddenly, there's ghosts. Like the the Ghostbusters are so busy, they're exhausted. Mm-hmm. Well, why? Because there's a story reason for mm-hmm. that. Super smart. That guy in the back is not an actor. <laughs> I really hope he just showed up to this movie one day and went. Yeah, right. Wow. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> Ecto one. Talk about one of the most iconic movie vehicles mm-hmm. of all time. I was just, I was just, uh, pick, uh, you know, picking some stuff up in, in, in my storage area. And I've, I, I have, I have two hot wheels. I have a, uh, a DeLorean back to the future hot wheel and a Ecto one hot wheel. Yeah. I put those to one side, and then I open another box. I have two Lego sets. I have the Back to the Future DeLorean <laughs> and the Ghostbusters yeah. Ecto-1. Uh, so to me, they're linked. You yeah, know? oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I like all this stuff with all the, the magazines. Yeah, you got that Al Hirschfeld yep. drawing there. Yep. This, t- I mean, like there, there, there's something so New York about this that I really appreciate. You can, you know, that they shot it on the streets. Mm-hmm. It's not on a back lot. It's not on a soundstage. Yeah, and it just adds this general sense of like th- this is really happening. Yep. Yep. All the people, like we were talking about, like, I mean, all the the background, especially at the end with all the people standing outside, and yeah, it just adds to this sense of like you wish you were there. Yeah. With, exactly. With everyone. Wait, we just had the Casey Kasem part, right? That's right. So, yeah. I, did you know that that's his wife at Tully's party later? Uh, I did know that. Blonde? Yeah, Gene Kasem. Yeah, yeah, I had no idea. That's so funny. It's a family affair here. Yeah. Now this here, this is the most uh, awkward part of this uh, family-friendly movie. Kind of weird. Kind of weird. Kind of weird. Let's talk about it. I mean, this was a, a full, like, whole scene, or like, right? Like they went to a location and. What's the story behind this? I was like, I have it written down, but I lost it. I I I don't know what <laughs> like what Aykroyd's drive was to include that. Oh, I okay. Well, that specifically, the, the yes, ghost, the ghost beat, the ghost beat. Agreed. I guess okay. I have it here. It was uh, a scene. It was actually a whole scene where Ray and Winston visit a historic fort to investigate, and they're we- wearing like Canadian Mountie outfits. So the majority of the scene was cut. So it would have come later. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, apparently they were like, no, this is too good. We got to we gotta throw this in. I mean, I guess, right? It's it's odd, it, though. It is. It's a little bit of a sword thumb. <laughs> now, Ernie Hudson is, is playing a character who is written for Eddie Murphy. Right. But I, I imagine, well, well he was, uh, the character was scaled back after it wasn't Eddie Murphy, correct? That's right. Right. Yeah. So, so Ernie Hudson, when he signs on, he's like, oh, you know, Winston comes in and like page 10 and he's there for all of it, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and uh, just rewrite after rewrite. I mean, 
in, in here's the thing. Eddie Murphy not doing the movie was probably the best thing possible. For who? For for the movie. Hmm. You think it'd be too many competing personalities? Or? That's exactly it. It, it. Because because if Eddie Murphy's in the movie and Bill Murray's in the mm-hmm. movie, then who's your comedic locus? Right. 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 And and so the the, the energy would be off. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think what Ernie Hudson brings is something really ineffable, which is like, he's just the regular guy. He is us. Mm-hmm. He is, you know, uh, like you said earlier, like, oh, you just, you want, you want to be there like in the middle of it. Like, well, he's us in the middle of all this. He's their Hawkeye. There right? you go. He's, he goes back home <laughs> and puts his pants on one leg at a time. And <laughs> he's yeah. Not, he's not, yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting because, it, sadly, I mean, even as a kid, I noticed like he was left off of posters, yep. right? I imagine because their argument would be that he wasn't the name that the other guys were, which feels kind of like BS. But the, uh, well, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I, like, I team or they're not. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with that, and certainly at the end, he's just as integral. Yeah, you know? yeah. But I guess I read uh, also in 2015, he gave an interview and his quote here was, he says, I love the character. He's got some great lines, but I felt like the guy was just kind of there. He's like, I love the movie. I love the guys. I'm thankful to Ivan for casting me and that fans appreciate it, but it's always been very frustrating. Kind of a love hate thing, I guess. You know, here's one thing I'll say, having seen Ghostbusters Afterlife, Mm -hmm. I think Ghostbusters Afterlife does right by uh, the legacy of Winston. Ah, that makes me happy. That that's all, that that's non spoilery enough, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to ruin it for you or for anybody <laughs> else, but yeah, uh, I got to meet him actually. I, I, he, he did a voice on Puppy Dog Pals, and that was one of the only days oh, no I went kidding. in for the records. Sean, uh, our friend Sean, invited me in so I could meet him, and uh, really, really lovely guy. Uh, you know, Ernie Hudson. Guess what? He he. You know, he he may have a love hate relationship with with the character, which is understandable. But like he he will be immortal because of Winston's oh, absolutely, yeah. Right, like Winston will be the reason he gets this job and this job, and because people want to. Oh, that well, that's Winston. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, don't you, like anyone would hope to have just one role like that. That allows them to live forever. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. You know, and I think even as, again, as someone who didn't like grow up with it, but experienced it a little bit later, he did feel like a character that they hadn't quite had the time to figure out. Yeah. Um, But like now just accepting the movie as a whole, like, yeah, it is really fun having him there with these guys, with his reactions. Yeah. Which, by the way, yeah, I, he, I mean, he, he gets a couple of good lines in. He gets a couple of good lines. Oh, totally. In. I just looked it up. He's uh, 75. So I met him when he was probably like 73 or something. And he looks insanely okay. good. <laughs> Dude. It's on. Un- black don't crack. It, it's unfair. <laughs> yeah. I, I was shocked. It, it, it's. Yeah. Here we go. William Atherton. William Atherton yep. <laughs> playing one of his many 80s douchebag roles. Yep. yep. Which is, it always cracks me up when I saw him much later in Sugarland Express, where he's kind of this handsome young 
raggedy guy and then it's like he went on to yeah. play all these douchebags <laughs> yeah it's kind of a shame because i mean he's a very gifted actor yeah. very good actor and he really did by virtue of uh of, of well well uh, um uh, walter peck and then uh thornburg mm-hmm. right he did really get kind of bottled into that kind of role mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, you know, that's something that Ivan Reitman talked about where after the movie becomes this big hit, he sees William Atherton and he thinks he's gonna be like, oh, you know, congratulations, all success or whatever. And he's just like, because of you, I can't walk down the street without people calling me dickless, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be fun. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dickless. <laughs> What's funny to me. Brian, is that this is a movie that makes the Environmental Protection Agency <laughs> the villains. Yes, that's hilarious. The villains. The villain is the EPA. Yeah. That's really funny. <laughs> you talk about a movie that's a microcosm of the Reagan era. <laughs> Those evil tree huggers at the EPA. <laughs> Those sons of bitches. <laughs> I say, let me get that, that third eye. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you take a step backward, that is both hilarious and slightly worrying. Because how many people, how many kids grew up hating the EPA? (laughs) And then watching our heroes, look at they're all lighting cigarettes. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing I was thinking about. I was like, man, people just be puffing away like it's the set of Mad Men, right? (laughs) It's so noticeable when you watch older films, just because now, I mean, it's, you have to put a warning on your movie if you're going to have people smoke. I think by 89, we stopped seeing characters smoking in movies, mm. in like PG, because because none of them smoke in the second one. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. At least your heroes, yeah? Like, then it became sort of a villain thing. It's a villain thing, yeah. right. What about the Twinkie? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I gotta say, even without knowing all the Ghostbuster stuff, if I see a building like yeah. that, I'm not going to live there. <laughs> yeah, keep walking. Yeah, it looks goddamn horrifying. <laughs> you know what's funny? I think about this all the time. You know, you watch like a horror film and you see people doing certain behavior, but because of the music that's playing, you're like, what are you thinking, Jeff? You know, like, and every now and then in life, I'll be like alone. And I'm going to choose to walk down this alley as a shortcut. And I'm like, what movie am I in? <laughs> like, am I, is everyone yelling at me not to to take the shortcut? You know, <laughs> I don't have the benefit of the score. The score would tell you which way to go. Yeah. I love this. So, uh, uh, <laughs> I know you feel, you feel bad oh, for Lewis, you. don't you? <laughs> uh, the disappointment when she's like, Tonight, like yeah. the night of my party, oh I my know. God, Lewis. He gotta love Rick Moranis. Now they 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 had written that for John Candy. Yeah, yeah, but he had he had too many ideas, right, <laughs> about the character. <laughs> He's like he should be he should be German, right? Yeah, he should have these two Rottweilers, and, and they were like, um, you know, I think we're good. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, I wanted to give him like a funny accent and. I'm sure Rick Moranis I mean, is like, yeah, can I like uh, tuck in my shirt all weird and wear glasses? They're like, yes. <laughs> They're like, <"Whew."> <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Somebody let me in. <laughs> uh, this is this is the first, I'm pretty sure this is the first movie I saw Rick Moranis in. 
Yeah, for me, it was. Pr- I don't know. Pr- no, actually, it probably was this. Yeah. yeah. I I don't know what I would have seen him in before. So so it was only later that I realized, like, oh, he's got range. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, man, such a shame that he I, yep. he just has not appeared in anything. You know, in a while. Exactly that. I mean, for for good reason, right? He's he's spending time with right. his family, but like, he's just such a, a a beloved, welcome presence. It would be really nice to see him do That's something right. great. I mean, he did that like commercial for Ryan Reynolds thing, right? Like, yeah, remember that? Like, whatever that was, like a cell phone thing or something. Yes, that's right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this right here I was telling you about yes. the little jump scare moment with the the the, hands. the 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 hands coming. See, I mean, that's the thing: the scares have to be scary, mm-hmm. not crap your pants scary, but there has to be there has to be stakes. Mm-hmm. Right. Having recently revisited the 2016 one, I I felt like that was the big problem is the world. Like, it's funny within itself. I don't really have a problem with that movie, but like, I don't, I never believe these characters are in danger. Mm, Because they're always kind of cracking wise. Yeah. Like, everybody's the funny one. Yes. 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 And, and that's like, and part of that is because that's Paul Feig's like sensibilities. Yeah. Yeah. As a filmmaker, where, there's like riff moments, right? You know, you just let people riff, but usually you trim that down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You let them riff for the camera, and then you find the you know the ten seconds in there, and you, that's what goes in the scene, right? But like I, I've said, I've used this example. Jed Apatow right there's now is listening, and like I don't understand. Yeah, right. <laughs> cut it down. Uh, there's a scene in that movie where you have Kristen Wiig telling Andy Garcia, who's the mayor, yes. like, "Oh, you have to treat this seriously. You're going to be the mayor from Jaws." Right. Right. And Andy Garcia says, nobody compares me to the mayor from Jaws. Nobody. Right. Right. And I'm like, it's a funny line, but that's not what the mayor of New York would say. Right. Right. See where I compare it to, to uh, what we get uh, later on with David Margulies. Right. Mm -hmm. Like as the mayor, you you believe he's the mayor, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's what I mean. Right. No, I I agree. I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it depends what movie you want to make, I suppose. But like. That's true. What we're saying makes this one so successful is. That that right there, by the way, that's Gene Kasem. That's. Yeah. uh, yeah. Is that that balance, you know, you've got to let some of it be serious. Otherwise, you know, it's just a it's just a lark. And and it's and it's tricky. Sure. It's tricky. I mean, you know, uh, I, I think a movie that does a very good job of like ghostbuster style humor to me anyway it's Shaun of the dead yeah sure because the characters are are humorous but the situation is real right and, you know and so that that's a pretty good modern day air yeah and there's some harsh moments in that humor. movie too you yeah know, that right, make exactly. you really like you say like none of the characters are joking the entire way through because they're just gonna make it like some awful things happen right to in their lives and it makes you really feel bad for them. That's the, I love this year where the woman just runs <laughs> back in. <laughs> that, you know, you, you often talk about, uh, you know, the effectiveness of like, uh, you know, eighties Amblin movies mm-hmm. where it's like the world, you know, but here's something uh, different yeah. in it, you know? And I think that's, a, this is a good example of that. Totally where it's it's just new york mm-hmm. you know and even in especially in the apartment but now here's this friggin' horrifying thing mm-hmm. and what do you do you yeah know? this reminds me of something i don't get that 
feeling here because this is a little more played for laughs. But like, even yes. though I do feel very bad for him, but like, yes, one of the worst things in horror movies for me is when someone needs help, but no one understands. You right. know what I mean? And so like this, this moment here, like, it's kind of funny, but you're also like, oh, this poor guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, it, you also like. They 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 don't show what happens to Lewis, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting. Like the next time we see him, he's possessed, right. but they never visualize what's being done. Mm-hmm. And like that shot right there, it made me think: like, do the people is the is the terror dog not visible to them? Oh, that's a good point. Right, like what 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 are they seeing exactly? Right. You got 80s punk, by the way. That's cool. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know who that person is, but they are cooler than me. Um, I know we're a little bit past this, but also I just wanted to bring up the logo. I mean, that's got to be one of the most iconic logos of the past half century. I mean, you know, like the no ghost, the no ghost. Yeah, I mean, whoever designed that. I know, and and when you think about it, I mean, it has never left our uh, cultural vocabulary. No, and it doesn't look dated. It's it's forever. Yeah. It's timeless. It's just, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it, yeah. it amazes me when people, you know, it kind of reminds me when you see, like, say, The Simpsons. You're like, here are Matt Groening's drawings of The Simpsons family, and then you give it to an artist, and then they make it into the versions you know. And you're like, right. man, they knew we didn't need that one extra line. They knew that that shit was just a little too tall. And I'm sort of amazed because mm. then when you see it, you're like, yeah, no, that's right. And likewise with the Ghostbusters logo, like it's just simple enough, but it's articulate enough that it's kind of cute, but it's kind of intriguing and it's simple. It looks like a warning symbol. Like it's, yeah. it's just perfect. Well, and, and it, it does the job. It tells you, it tells you what the movie's about. It gives you a sense of probably what the tone is. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And it just and it looks cool on a t-shirt. It does, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's important, you know, like the Jurassic Park logo. Yeah, right, uh, it, and very much kind of the same thing. Where that once once that was out in the world, it was everywhere. Mm-hmm. See, this right here is is sort of like Vankman's version of the of the Save the Cat moment. Yes, where she's like she's like take me, and he's like no. I'm yes, good. that's a really good point, <laughs> actually. You know what I mean? Like for right. all his. Uh, overt flirtation. This is where he's yeah. like, no, no, he's a good dude. Yeah, right. Like you have to have that in yeah. there. Although it, later on, you know, when he calls Egon, he's like, yeah, I had to knock her out with ten cc's of Thorazine. Right? And I'm like, why does he have Thorazine with him? You know, I like why is he carrying that around? I I read somewhere <laughs> too, someone talking about that. I, I mean, what do I know? I was I was like four when this came out, but apparently that that was used <laughs> to take people down from like drug use. Yeah, so why would he have that with him on a date? Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> See, like this here, look at look at Venkman's reactions. He's playing it straight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? Like he's he's kinda goofing around a little bit. I think he's doing it for himself. Initially. You know, yeah. like when you get scared, you start sort of joking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. But it's not like kind of winking at the camera. Right. 
this here is a, a upcoming right here. It's a pretty cool effect considering it was done practically. Yeah, yeah. Apparently something attached to the wall, like a pole or something, but it looks good. I mean, that's, a, you know, talking about the effects in this, I think I think for the most part, they do hold up pretty well. Yeah, I agree. You know, there's there's a few instances of, like, dodgy compositing or whatever, which is, you know, I guess, I mean, I forgive it. I'm assuming maybe that's partly our vintage. Yeah, yeah, me too, and probably for the same reason. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I think it helps, honestly, that they did pull back the scale mm-hmm. substantially. Uh, uh, of necessity and so it allows for a more narrow focus on the the few key effects that you have right right? the the proton blasts the the slimer obviously Mm -hmm. and i'll be damned if the marshmallow man isn't still amazing yeah on uh my instagram like my algorithm obviously brings in a lot of sort of movie related things and i'm always Mm -hmm. seeing that picture where you can see the scale of the miniature set of the street with the guy in the stay puff suit and, okay. you know, like small cars and whatnot. It is so impressive. I mean, even seeing it, it for is. what it is, you're like, that is so just, I don't know the artistry. It's amazing. This, you know, in, in the new film, uh, you've seen it in the trailers, they have the little, little mini puffs, yes. right? Which very, you know, <laughs> it's like, we, we need our next uh, baby. Yoda, yeah, I was just gonna right? say, speaking of toyetic. Yeah. <laughs> totally and and they're they're friggin adorable i was gonna say no i don't question. blame them i actually but thought it was a good idea oh i totally yeah it, it you know the, the conversation surrounding the new film without getting too much into it has been sort of insightful in terms of what people consider cynical mm. and what people consider like eh, i love this you know sure, sure i feel like i feel like there's some delineation i don't know where it falls but uh i'm i'm kind of like that, that's cute as hell you mm-hmm. know but i i would definitely had that thought i was like the the marshmallow man there was an exponentially harder uh, a job that went into making that thing look believable mm-hmm. whereas you know technology has come so far now right. where these little things you know i mean not to say that digital animation is not challenging of course it is but it's it's feasible to an extent that you know making the the big guy for this one was a much higher hill. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if this is relevant <laughs> to this particular <laughs> conversation, but I was just talking about this with Federica. We watched that movie red notice, you know, the Ryan Reynolds, oh, sure, uh, yeah. Gal Gadot movie on uh, Netflix. And I'll talk more about it on a regular episode. Wait, wait, real, yeah. real quick, real quick. Look, this right here. Oh, this Rick Moran memorizing all this. I mean, that's what I, I mean. Is he saying this from memory? Right, right. <laughs> Hopefully, it. And what I love is he's he's delivering it with such gusto. I know, and and it's just nonsense. Right. <laughs> Died in the depths to slur that day. I can tell yeah. you, <laughs> it's so funny. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. It's just there's there's a, basically like a car chase at the end that clearly they're sitting in green boxes in a green room and. Oh, you know what I mean? Okay. It's just, it means yeah. nothing. Like it's just, they may as well be floating through air. You know, the stakes mean nothing. And so it just reminds me of, of with this. And I mean, not that it can't be done well because it can with, with computer effects, but like, yeah, going back to what you're saying here, I mean, you just, you actually have to sort of play some of this stuff out. It really makes you feel like, oh man, they might really fall off of that thing. You know? Right. Yeah. I think it helps. 
By the way, this is like haunting her breathing. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It kind of, it's what you're talking about. It strikes that balance where it's like, we're not just having fun all the time. Like, this is really scary what's happening to her. Well, and and I think, you know, as we work our way towards the final third of the film, uh, we have to, we have to believe that something bad is coming. And the movie has done a nice job of gradually building up towards that. You know, we talk about the, 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 the Twinkie mm-hmm. dialogue earlier mm-hmm. and stuff. I mean, they, they, they do work our way to it. Right. So was there, I had read there's cut scenes. Have you seen the deleted scenes by the way? Uh, not many. Okay. Apparently on the laser disc, I don't know about the DVD, but there's, I have like a whole list of what they are. And, uh, Apparently Egon and Janine had like a bigger sort of romantic subplot. Yeah. And that's definitely alluded to mm-hmm. in yeah. this. I think, I, I mean, it's hard to say because I'm just so wedded to this version, but it, it feels like that was probably a smart choice, you know, mm-hmm. to pull it back a little bit. Sure, yeah, But it's implied enough that it makes it cute when they're together. Yeah. That she's got uh, something unrequited happening there. Yeah. And then I guess in, in the second in the second film, uh, Janine and Lewis have a relationship. Right, right. Oh, I forgot about that. Well, yeah. then there's some scene too, right, with Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd playing bums that are watching Lewis being chased by the dog, but they took it out because they thought audiences would be confused seeing them as other people. Oh wow! Yeah, I remember reading about that. Yeah. And when I say bum, That's I'm right. reading this off of something, and it sounded really insensitive as I said that, so I apologize. <laughs> I don't know if we use that word anymore. But, <laughs> but you know, th- that is kind of funny how we used to wor- use the word bum all the yeah. time to refer to homeless people. Yeah. Like, that was that was just accepted parlance. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> B- bum and hobo. Yes. Yes. Right? A hobo is someone and I I'm think of, defi- like, who travels. With a, with a bindle. Right? Like, kind of rides yeah, the yeah. rails. With a with a stick with a thing tied to it. I'm a little afraid to ask what it's probably uh, shortened from, but yeah. So this right here, first, I love this shot. By the way, it's just a great framing. Mm-hmm. As as Atherton walks into the frame, you got this great low angle, yep. great wide angle. It adds this menace. I love how wide. This I really. Is. I wa- that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, they really, like it, shot. it feels cinematic. It yeah. That's yes. great. I think, I think that's really important, right? For this to make this feel cinematic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I, I wanted to mention, we, we alluded to it a little bit earlier, but Elmer Bernstein did such a good job with the mm-hmm. score because it's, it, it's very nimbly on, on just this side of comedic and just this side of serious. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It, like it's not wonka monka monka, you know. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not. Uh, it, it's not like the uh, Three Stooges short or something, you right. know. It's the 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 earlier parts of the film. It's it's very light, but there's this th- thematic uh, motif that Bernstein is able to without not without too much effort turn into kind of a heroic motif. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's very subtle, but it works so well, you know. And I think. Uh, you know, his absence in the second film was, was very, uh, very noticed, at least by me mm-hmm. anyway. That's wow, very cool. I recognize this corner. Yeah. Cause you, cause you mm-hmm. were there, right? <laughs> um, see I this right this here. Scene. We're talking about Vankman. Like he plays this scene totally uh-huh. straight. 
And if he's being serious, we know it's serious. Exactly, right? When he when he tells him, don't shut it off. Mm-hmm. I'm warning you. Like, this is the funniest guy in the movie, mm-hmm. but he's not joking around, you know? This is good hero's journey stuff, too, like storytelling math. You know what I mean? Because it's like, what's the worst thing that could happen? Like, unleash all the ghosts on New York. It, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Sort of thinking about the structure for the first time. Ah, uh, Brian. When will these environmental protection people learn? <laughs> Bastards. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, NWA with F the police. It's like you and I singles like right. the EPA. Oh, it's coming after me. <laughs> I'm surprised that wasn't like a tie-in song <laughs> with this movie. Totally. <laughs> I love the music here too, as everything's being released. It's kinda, yeah, oh, it's yeah, great. It's pretty cool. Uh, Bernstein uses a lot of really interesting experimentation, mm. uh, 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 instrumentation. Mm. Excuse me, with uh, you know the the strange noises and things like that. Yet they have like a specific kind of identity. Mm. You know, um, the the music in the new film is very heavily beholden to a lot of the stuff that that we hear in. This. Oh, really? That's cool. Where where you can you can recognize certain cues being uh, reused or repurposed, you know. Mm-hmm. See that right there, like that's a pretty cool effect. I think it holds up really well. I yeah, think. I think so. The both by virtue of the practical stuff here, mm-hmm. yeah, that helps. It marries together, but even well. when we see that it marries right. I mean, we, we when we see it explode, I think it, lo- it still looks pretty mm-hmm. good. Going back to the New Yorkiness of this, like this stuff, like just seeing people that look yeah. like real people observing all of this right. makes it feel more on the ground. Yeah, I th- you know, it it's it's a little bit like like for me, like Home Alone, you know, that feels very uh, real mm-hmm. because we know they actually went out and they, it's it's a real house. It's a real neighborhood. Mm-hmm. There's just something about that, you know, that you don't you're not able to replicate like, and maybe this is just me, but like, I recognize a back lot. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and obviously sometimes that's all you have, but I mean, that is definitely one of like the, the bugaboos I have when I watch television shows that shoot extensively on, on back lots as opposed to on, on location. Mm-hmm. It, it, there is this sort of creeping artificiality that, that, that sinks in a little bit, yeah. you know? No, for sure. No, this stuff. Yeah. I mean, obviously that looks like an older style of effect but i think it's very effective it's very haunting this bit right here where the little the ghost goes into the tailpipe Mm -hmm. and uh we have like the the corpse of the the taxi cab driver i i mean that's pretty freaky but i love that it's just this thing and they don't dwell on it too much it's like one shot Wait, so are you implying that the ghost went in there and killed the driver? Is that what happened? That was that was always my assumption. I've never thought about it because I always thought that ghost was unique because the others don't really look like that. But it's scary. I mean, we see the ghost go into the tailpipe. Yeah. So either either it killed the driver or the driver was not there and it took that yeah, form. Yeah, either way. But if it... <laughs> But if it took that form, what we've seen the ghosts when they take a form, they're kind of ethereal. Yeah, no, that's a good point. So, 
I don't know. That's always been my assumption, mm-hmm. but what do I know? I like it. This bit here too is a pretty great shot where, yeah, right here with the with the 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 front of the building exploding there, mm-hmm. and I mean she's there. She was in the shot right. as it exploded. You know, you brought up something uh, talking about shooting it cinematic and Home Alone specifically. I think that's a really really great example and why that movie is still beloved thirty some years later. And this, of course, as well. I agree. Like. I caught a little bit of that new Home Alone movie on Disney Plus, which Uh I didn't finish. (laughs) It looked (laughs) awful and it was lit bad. It was shot terrible. It looked like it was a made for TV kind of movie, but I think. Which it was. Well, yeah, I guess I guess it was. (laughs) But I mean, the thing about the first Home Alone is, I mean, in a way, it's almost shot like a drama. You know what I mean? Like they didn't. Yep. brighten it up and they didn't try to find funny angles. They shot it straight forward. And that's why this funny situation becomes, you know, real. Right. Yeah. And I think likewise with this, if they just shot it from funny angles and funny reactions and that, that shot of Sigourney Weaver through the window, you know, that's like artistic, but it adds right. to the, I don't know, verisimilitude or whatever you want to call it of, of, of yeah, what's no, I agree. at stake here. Speaking of the stakes, this scene is great for that. Mm. Um, where, I mean, this is the Basil exposition scene <laughs> of the whole movie. Right? Yeah. And, and again, it, it's it, the, despite the fact that they're humorous characters, what they're describing is not a joke. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, talking about gozer worshippers and all this other stuff. And again, it, it's all when you, when you realize like, well, it's all made up for the movie. Right this elaborate mythology and yet it all hangs together pretty well. Yeah. And it's not uh, too much to make you shut your brain down. (laughs) Yeah. I love this. It's it's tricky. All the people gathering around. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody got that. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. Anyway, sorry, sorry. (laughs) I love his, his (laughs) for goodness sake. Whoa. (laughs) Uh, Bill Murray, I think he just liked singing in movies. <laughs> he was a lounge singer on SNL. Yeah. It's funny how on SNL, he was the guy who replaced Chevy Chase mm. after one season. Because right. Chevy Chase got a little too big for his britches after one season. Which is incredible, because you would think, oh, was he there for a couple of years? Yeah, he, so he made a mark on SNL, no doubt, and yet that was almost like a a foreshadowing of his career. Yeah, Chevy Chase, I mean, where he burned white hot and burned away. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because because it's not like Bill Murray has always been particularly pleasant to work with. Right. Like, I mean, there are plenty of stories about him being a challenge on sets. I don't think that's telling tales out of school. Mm-hmm. Right. So you wonder, like, what is it that, because Chevy Chase is like legendarily awful mm, and disliked. And dis, yeah, like uh, legendarily disliked. Exactly. Yeah. But, but like Bill Murray, I mean, yeah, they, they, so he'll commit to a movie. You don't know if he's going to come. Yeah. There's all those stories, yeah. right? So you wonder, like, what is it that's made Bill Murray a, legend even now what 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 gives him the license to be oh bill yeah i mean that's i'm i'm wondering yeah, you know i don't know 
You know, I mean, I'm sure it's unintentional because they just cast the best people for these roles, but there is something funny about their disparity. You know, <laughs> they're about to screw. <laughs> This, I can hear the song playing as they go into the marriage right, office. Right, right. <laughs> See this? I mean, I mean, we we believe that David Margulies is like in it up to his ears, and he doesn't know what mm-hmm, to do. Mm-hmm. He's he's playing again. You have these comedic actors surrounded by actors who are playing it straight, yep. and that gives you an interesting push and pull. Yep. The straight man. Like remember in the in the twenty sixteen one, there's a whole thing where Chris Hemsworth is the, 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 the secretary mm-hmm. and he talks about how his, his cat is named uh, Mike hat. Do you remember that? I have forgotten this, but th- I believe it. He's like my cat, my yeah, cat. Yeah. And they're like you're, na- you're, you named your cat, my cat. Yeah, yeah. He's like, no, no Mike hat. And it's like this lengthy thing. And, and it's, it is amusing. Yeah. Yes. But you're like, what is it doing in this movie? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, that was that was my main hang up with that movie because I didn't hate that movie either. No, not at but, all. But like it just it played differently. You know? Yeah. And, and so, you know, it, uh, I think I think when you look at I'm really genuinely I, I like that movie fine. I, I think it's it's totally fine. And so people listening, I don't want it to sound like I'm just. Uh, you know, directing ire at it. I'm really not, but definitely, uh, uh, th- this is this is the comparison that Paul Feig himself set up mm-hmm. by essentially saying, "Oh, we're going to do the thing where they invent the, the the this gadget and they do this." So it becomes this sort of one to one riff on this mm-hmm, movie. Mm-hmm. So the com- the comparisons are not even forced. You you they're right there in right. front of you. So oh yeah. Says, yeah. This is great. I've seen shit that'll turn you white. <laughs> <laughs> that line where where everything was fine until Dickless set set off the or shut off the system, <laughs> and then Murray's like, "It's true. This man has no dick. <laughs> it's, it's perfect. It's hilarious." But then the 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 cherry on top is that they pull him. You just hear him. Well, that's what I heard. <laughs> it's so funny. And you wonder how much of it is him, like just riffing on the set, yep. you know. See, you, you, earlier you mentioned how you know each of the, the Ghostbusters has their role, and this is why Murray is the mouth. Mm. Like he's he he's the only one of them who can seal the deal with the mayor right, right. here. Right. <laughs> That's so perfect. I love it. <laughs> and the archbishop is like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> or the cardinal or whatever he is. <laughs> that guy so looks off like goes... a 1980s New York mayor. <laughs> oh, oh, David Margulies? He really does, does he? <laughs> I mean, that guy, he was, like, I think he just passed away recently. Oh. But yeah, he was one of those character actors. He was in a ton of different things. But I think he was like Ghostbusters mayor for the rest mm. of his life. You know? He's in the second one also. Yeah. You know what I love about these older movies? I mean, Blues Brothers, whatnot, is like shots like these where you're like, look at all these like army guys and cops yeah. and vehicles and like I mean the call sheet must have been insane. You know, like all the like this stuff. 
You know what I mean? Like this is so yeah, tactile dude. and like you got all those police cruisers and it just makes me feel like, well, this looks hard or like, you know what I mean? Like this <laughs> right. looks like, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it's, or it makes me think uh, the most recent example of it I can think of is the dark Knight rises when they have that big brawl in the street. Oh yeah. And you're yeah, like, damn, call. this looks like this is a mess. <laughs> you know, Look at all those cops and look at all those bad guys and look at, you know, like, a lot of logistics involved. Yeah, but it makes it feel like, oh man, this is serious. You yeah. know, and even this, like you got all these different sorts of people and these rabbis, you got people with signs, you got people like, I don't know, it just adds so much. Well, I mean, just this shot right here is so great because you know, they're in New York. They're, you know, it's, it's, it's for real. These are all people. I mean, they, they, there's, there's scale here. Scale, yeah, scope. I don't know. Right. Just this. Look at all the signs. I mean, it's it's a quality that like it's hard to sort of quantify, Mm -hmm. but you know it when you see it. Like this, you know, look at this crowd. It's a massive Mm -hmm. crowd. You know? I'm always just sort of I love stuff like this. It just there's so much to to drink in and it I don't know. (laughs) They love you. They love you. You wonder if the people who are in the scene, yeah. like they're told, you got to be cheering. You gotta, if they're wondering, like, what the hell is this? I was this, thinking right? that, like they, they don't no... know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was reading uh, that apparently somewhere Ron Jeremy is in the crowd as an extra and uh, Pr- Patricia Heaton. Oh, that's random. Isn't that just entirely random? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Patricia Heaton, she would have been like a teenager or something. I guess. Right? I mean. Yeah. You have to figure she was probably in her 30s when she did Raymond. Mm-hmm. And that was like 96. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now this, I I actually wondered when I saw this, you know, how did they do this? I mean, it looks like they really busted up the street. Did they build over the street? But this was something done. Later on a stage, the, yeah, obviously. So, so the, it's the, just, I yeah, feel exactly. Like it, it blends well. The, the it's a seamless yeah. edit. Yeah, this all is a, is a soundstage, obviously. Yeah. All this stuff, but I mean, it it blends together perfectly. Yeah, it looks good, like you said. You know, that's my thing. I've always wondered when I really learned how movies were made, and I learned that there was a second unit. You know, so it doesn't matter what who you are you're steven spielberg like you've got other people shooting footage for your film that's going to go in and i always wonder like how do they match like how can you not just immediately tell just because they're somewhere else and you don't have the person who's got the defining vision the eye the whatever like how does it all blend in it's always it still kind of amazes me that that aspect of filmmaking i mean you have to imagine part of it is is a really tight communication beforehand, mm-hmm. making sure that they're shooting exactly what's expected. Yeah. I mean, there must be just math behind it, you know? Yeah. See, I always get like jazzed here, mm-hmm. you know, when everyone's chanting Ghostbusters. It's yeah. great. It's a great, I mean, that's the thing, right? You've set up the stakes. And so you have to believe that these characters are capable of, of taking it on. Right. So they they can't just be goofballs. Right. This is great. I, lo- I love the the <laughs> the, the jarring uh, going like this this emotional yeah. high to all right. Here we go up these stairs. <laughs> yeah, but let's do it. 
Oh man, that's a great shot right there. Look at that—the the merging of the the practical mm-hmm. with the matte painting there. That's wonderful. You know, I've always thought I went to the uh, Academy Museum recently, and uh, there's a couple of matte paintings there, and I wish they would put more matte paintings on display. I mean, they're works of art. Yeah, yeah, it, it's and it's it's definitely it's like a lost art now. Mm-hmm. You know, as we move towards digital mats and things like that. Yeah. This role really is like outside the norm for Sigourney Weaver, isn't it? Yeah. She's kind of writhing around yeah. in this uh, sheer gown. Oh, no. I remember this being a bit of an awakening for young Brian. <laughs> 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 well, and then later, too, you know, I always think about when they actually turn into the dogs. I'm like, this is like trust for an actor. You know yeah, I mean? right. Like you are acting absolutely ridiculous, trusting that the way that it's captured and the visual effects that will be applied, that this is going to amount to something that's not going to make me look like an idiot. <laughs> you know what I mean? I always, I, when they both start writhing around here, like I always kind of admire it. Like they, they trust, you know? And, and what's interesting to me is that is, I don't think Reitman had done a ton of stuff before this to warrant that level of trust mm. either. Uh, as in terms of uh, his his work as a director, sure. I mean, you know, he did Stripes and Meatballs; those are probably the biggest ones. Right. I mean, yeah, this right? is a big, expensive movie too. Yeah, well, I, I had no idea it cost more than the Indiana Jones movie. That kind of blows my yeah. mind. Yeah. Where did these stairs go? They go up. <laughs> Did you ever dress yeah, up as a sounds, Ghostbuster? I, I was thinking about that. I was actually as looking at their their uh, you know uh, overalls yeah. that they're wearing. I was thinking like that was definitely part of the appeal for kids. Is this is a costume you can throw together? One hundred percent. This is a Halloween costume, right? Yeah, like you you know you could you can I can definitely remember making a makeshift backpack out of boxes and things. Mm-hmm. I can definitely remember wearing a brown shirt and making like a plastic, uh, or rather like a, 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 a Ghostbusters armband out of paper. Oh, really? You know, and just throwing it together, mm-hmm. you know, because it doesn't require a ton. I mean, obviously you had like the official merch and whatever, but it's not particularly elaborate by design. Yeah. And I think that's the reason that this movie really got embraced by kids in a way that that is still uh, meaningful decades later. Yeah. Yeah. What's your kid's I, relationship with Ghostbusters? Well, I, I was thinking about that because because I just I watched Afterlife with my oldest, mm-hmm. right? And for him, this has just been part of his life uh, for all of yeah. his life. You know, and part of that is just he has the misfortune of being my kid. <laughs> but but I was thinking like the new movie; it's aimed at people. 35 and up and like 15 and under. <laughs> sure, sure. Because the 15 and unders are the kids of the 35 and ups. <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny. So th- there's this there's this middle 20 year gap of people who have no like they're just not the audience. Sure. You know? <laughs> that's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> because I asked my students, I'm like, hey, any of you planning to see the new Ghostbusters? Not a one. Really? Like it's just it's just not on their radar, and I get mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. 
I get it because it's just it it's it's something that's so specifically wedded to when it happened. Mm. So in that sense, it's different from like Star Wars mm-hmm. uh, because at least, and maybe this is just me speaking uh, about my unique experience, but I think it's it addresses something broader, which is Ghostbusters was the movie, it was the merch, it was the serial, it was the cartoon show, it was that time. Mm-hmm. And then that time went away. Right. You know, by early 90s, they stopped, uh, you know, making the breakfast cereal. Ecto Cooler lasted a little longer. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the toys, I mean, it's just because these things have a shelf life. Right. right. And so it stopped being at the forefront of pop culture until, you know, 2016, really. Right. Then it became sort of like a nostalgia thing. Yeah. I mean, it's it re- it's remained beloved. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. But but I mean I I would I would draw I would draw probably a similar parallel with Back to the Future where I I don't know that people who are say ten years younger than us have the same relationship with those movies. Yeah, I I don't. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. I don't understand the relationship to it because I only know mine. But I was sort yeah. of blown away in the past several years that it almost seems like it's more beloved now than it ever has been. I mean, yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, Like there's more merch for it than there's ever been before. And it's been an interesting sort of uh, journey for that one. <laughs> so this scene right here kind of illustrates what I was talking about earlier with the music, mm. you know, where you have Elmer Bernstein, he starts the music with do, 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 do. It's kind of sprightly. Mm-hmm. And then he, he takes that same motif, but it's dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 mm-hmm. You know, it's and it becomes an action motif, right. and that's what I mean about like the music has to do a lot of lifting on both sides of right. that. So we have to we have to believe the light stuff is light. We have to believe have to believe the serious stuff is serious. Yeah. You know what I read uh, was that they originally approached Paul Rubens to play Gozer. Yeah, and that's right. uh, Gozer was going to take on the form of the uh, building's architect. So it'd be sort of like a pale, slender man Evo Shandor. in a business suit. And okay. I was like, you know, I kind of like that. <laughs> that's kind of creepy. That's creepy <laughs> to me. Like a, a Paul Rubens in a suit who's like this ghost, the buildings. I was like, ooh, I kind of I kind of like that. It's a fun take. And I mean, that was pre-Pee-Wee's Playhouse, certainly, right? Right, right. Pee- uh, Pee-Wee's Big Adventure, pre-that film. I mean that came out in eighty five. So, so Pee Wee is introduced to the world. Well, Pee, I mean he had performed Pee Wee. Yeah, he had had his HBO special probably by now. Okay, I would assume. Because I'm like, what? What would he have been known for? Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, he had a stage show, right? And that's what got filmed for HBO. So I'm sure he was. You know how like uh, talent agencies always have people on their lists. Yeah, yeah, exciting right now. This, see this right this I love this I love uh, not, not the 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 construction of how we get to the marshmallow man yes and set it up set it up as a legitimate threat and yet it's also funny mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what what's funny here to me is he tells him okay clear your mind and then and then empty your heads the the you know the choice is made right. <laughs> 
It's too late. Nobody chose anything. But here's the funny thing about this is this is like comedy, you know, the rule of three, right? Mm -hmm. So Egon, you didn't choose anything. Winston, you didn't choose anything. I didn't choose anything. And then he goes to Ray. But Ray is right next to Egon. So really, he would just stop at Ray. Right. But that doesn't, it's, that's not as funny. (laughs) (laughs) It just, it just popped in there. Oh, it's so great. Well, the the great thing about the Marshmallow Man is it is hilarious and terrifying. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. And that's genius. It's per- yes, it's right? brilliant. Like, look at the. I mean, that's, you know, the, th- the thundering footsteps. Mm-hmm. And it's this smiling fat guy with a b- little beret on. <laughs> with, like, this big goofy I mean, smile. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's genius, you yeah. know? That's a great shot. Look yeah. at that. Yeah, it looks great. I mean, I I buy that. The lighting That's, is well, so the good. the movie. Yeah, yeah. Look at that shot. He look blends at that. into the environment. I mean, the the movie has just has has built the 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 railway to get you to believe that this is happening. <laughs> There's something you don't see every day. <laughs> That was kind of smart. Think of something harmless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great thinking, Ray. <laughs> I wonder if they did even consider the the Doughboy, like tried to go for that. I think it's better that they made something up, but. I I wonder maybe like in the very, very early mm-hmm. goings. I mean, but Ackroyd had said that like the Marshmallow Man was part mm-hmm. of his earliest idea. Yeah. Which when you think about it, I mean, it is such a bizarre thing like it's funny to me that like that he landed there early right <laughs> like this is a thing that i want to have in this right. you know <laughs> nobody steps on a church in my town. <laughs> he has that great line there he's like this is mr stay but he's a sailor he's in new york we get this guy laid we won't have any trouble <laughs> that totally oh, flew I'm over sure my head when i was a kid never gotten that as a kid <laughs> this right here when we see the like the screaming face of the of the marshmallow yes. man, or like the angry face. I'm like, man, you know. I mean, they had to construct all those different heads yeah. and do all that, you yeah. know. Sort of like a, see yeah. this. Or I was to say like a Jack in the Box. <laughs> it is yeah, right. Expressions. All the different heads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what were you saying? See the the no the crossing the streams thing. Yes. Right? that's a great example of you. You plant the solution earlier in the story. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Again, to reiterate, it's all nonsense. Yes. Right. I mean, I mean, it it doesn't mean anything. But we've established. Well, if we put the cross the streams, then right. Try to imagine whatever he yes. says. Uh, 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 all life on Earth ceasing to exist, or whatever. Right. Okay. So that's not good. Well, it's kind of perfect. It's like your all is lost moment, and so it's like the only thing yeah. that can get us out of this is the most dangerous, you know, thing we could possibly do. So we've got, we got to risk everything. But, and, but the beauty of it is it doesn't come out of nowhere. Yes. You've already, you've planted the seed of this thing. Uh, I love this too, right here. Look at this. When, when, when Ray says, nice working with you, his, Peter's absolutely serious. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's like, this is for real. This is no joke. You know, as far as Peter knows, he's going to die here. You know? 
those animations, I mean, they still I think work. This all man. still holds up pretty well. Yeah. And there goes Mr. Yeah. Stay Puffed. Boom. That looks good. Of that building <laughs> exploding. I love all this sort of liquidy cloud stuff, too, that you were seeing a lot in the late 70s, 80s. As opposed to blue sky beams. Yeah, that see, now. oh, you're right. That was like the precursor <laughs> to all of that. Wow, you're so right. <laughs> Look at that. Ooh, there it is. There goes Atherton. He probably he couldn't have been too happy. About I that. read an interview with him. There's a great series on AV Club called Random Roles. You know, they okay. all these actors to talk about all these different roles they've done, and he talked about that specific moment where he goes, "Well, how much are you dumping on me?" And they told him, <laughs> I, "I remember." Yeah, this. and he's like, "Well, what's that going to do to me?" And they're like, "We don't know." And he's like, "Well, test it out." <laughs> So I guess they did, and they cut it in half because they're like, oh, yeah, that would, that would really not be good. <laughs> they drop it on like a mannequin, and it just vaporizes, yeah. you know? Like, oh, yeah, we should probably, we should probably fix yeah, that. That's really smart of him. <laughs> I mean, you say, no, no, it's shaving cream. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, but it's like, if it's a metric ton, it's still yeah, a ton. Pounds, yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. This is always funny too, how like Bill Murray is like completely unscathed here, basically, because you know. Yeah, you wonder if that was like a rider in his I am contract. Certain. Like, I'm certain he's like, yeah, just put right? a little on my head. And that's okay. We're done. We're done. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> that's very funny. See, arguably the most like humorous character in that he is a comedic, a comic character in the film is Lewis mm-hmm. Tully. So it's kind of smart that we don't, you know, we leave a lot of the, that with that character. Right. He's so, like extra silly. Right. You know what I mean? As opposed to a whole bunch of characters just throwing one liners back and forth. Right. Yeah. It's funny. This is always something too. I was like, I don't, I don't understand like why they're in the sort of chart, yeah, it makes this, no but sense. I was like, you know what? But it's like, they need something that we can visualize and understand. And... Yeah. Because we can't end the movie with, with Sigourney Weaver as a crispy critter. Right. So <laughs> this, this sure. I mean, when you think about it, that's kind of the beauty of the conceit is, well, it's all not like made up weirdness. <laughs> right. So so who's to say that's not what happens to you after you turn into a terror dog? I guess yeah. it is. I apologize. Yeah, Brian. <laughs> Enough with the negative energy, you know? <laughs> I'm kind of curious. I'm looking at these deleted scenes again. I'm kind of curious to see some of this. Some of it involves the marshmallow man's hat falling to the ground and just random stuff. Yeah, you have to imagine a, a lot of the stuff. See, I mean, but that's smart, you know, cutting cutting this stuff out, yeah. you know. This... I will say there is a deleted scene from this that is uh, incorporated into Ghostbusters Afterlife. A, wait, a deleted scene? Oh. Yes. Okay. A scene that it is it is not in this movie, but it is in Ghostbusters Afterlife. It is actually seen, or it's referenced to. It is. It is in it. Uh interesting oh there the, the, that's a little tease great ah <laughs> oh, winston this town loves I love you this town i actually uh, wrote that into our <laughs> script for him to say that oh really puppy dog <laughs> 
So Ray Parker Jr.'s song, there was a there was a bit of a legal thing surrounding that, wasn't yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, they originally approached Huey Lewis in the news, right? And they turned down the opportunity yes. to write the theme. And then clearly this is a riff on <laughs> Huey Lewis's song I Want a New Drug. Right. And uh he sued. <laughs> And I think he had a case. <laughs> well, I, he did end up like making some money off of this, oh, right? Like, I don't that know I don't the... know. I, I should but you know, what it reminds that, but... me now where people just sample things. I mean, you yeah. may as well have just paid him for the riff and then done your Which song over. Kinda, and I'd say I, Ray Parker Jr. definitely deserves credit for creating an incredibly memorable song over that riff you know what it, i mean like it it's it's funny yeah i it, totally there was a there's a key and peel sketch which i'm sure you've seen where it's yes ray parker jr's <laughs> songs for other movies that he submitted yeah yeah right um and it, you know the the, it, the it, it, and so it's all of his unaccepted songs except ghostbusters because you know and and you know it's like making fun of like how he was kind of a one-hit wonder mm-hmm. And yeah, that's, you know, that sucks. Yeah. However, when your one hit is Ghostbusters, you kind of done all yeah, right. Yeah, I think, I think he's probably okay. Right? Like, I, I think in the long run, it's probably fine. You know, maybe you'd like to have had more hits, but this is your mm-hmm. hit. It's not the thong song or something, you know? It's, <laughs> sorry, Cisco. Cisco. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's Ghostbusters, man. Yeah, this, I mean, going back to what we've, talked about almost ad nauseum at this point but all of these human bodies look at all these people <laughs> these cars the t-shirts like there's just T- two of several million ghostbusters t-shirts that would uh yep. be, be the first they got the very movie. first they for very first ones exactly yeah i mean i mean my my daughter is four she wears a ghostbuster really? so that should tell you everything you know you know, speaking of the, the, the it, song, I mean, the music video, it's kind of interesting in and of itself where it's got all these celebrities of the moment in there just yeah. sort of singing Speaking of Chevy song, Chase, right? there's Slimer, by the way. Yeah. See, canonically, he's still, he's out there. Jeffrey Tambor. I know every music video is clamoring to have Jeffrey Tambor in their music video. Jeff, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very motley assortment of people yeah. in that, in that like video. George yeah. Went, Al Franken, Danny DeVito. Peter Falk. The and the it's it's not a very good video. It's a <laughs> extremely it's an extremely 1984 yeah, video. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the song is the song is the mm-hmm. song, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, here we arrive at the end of Ghostbusters 1984. What what are your closing thoughts on this movie? Well, this this masterpiece, dare I say, Brian? I, you know what I? Watching it has become a comfort food. For me, like when it's on TV and watching it now, it's like I can sit back and I recognize all the things, but I definitely still do feel slightly removed from it in, in the relationship that you and other people have with it, where it didn't, it didn't make its way into my cells like Goonies and back to the future, you know, having seen those over and over again as a kid. So it's, you know, it's like, I, I, I really enjoy it, but I definitely still feel like a little bit on the outside of it from people like you <laughs> how about you but that's fine yeah well yeah again as i've said uh throughout this you know i think um the for me it's not it's it's not merely the movie it's everything surrounding the movie it's it's the 
you know, it's who I was mm-hmm. when the movie came out. And sure. so when I watch it, it just, it gives me those warm fuzzies. That said, I mean, as I, you know, I, I've shared this movie with all of my children and, and they luxuriate in, in its universe, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and that says something about the, the way in which it, it really does continue on. Definitely. I mean, that means the ingredients are, are still potent. I, I yeah. think so. You know, it, it is that mix and it, it's, you know, I, I've, I, I, you know, my, my kid, my oldest is old enough now where he can appreciate the humor. Mm. So he's, he's crossed that threshold now of seeing, oh, this is a comedy, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and, you know, I, I think it'll be part of his life. I think, I think the, the, regardless of whatever comes after it, you know, I think, uh, uh, the the first movie remains a singular experience. Definitely. Definitely. I'd be curious to see the second one. Well, we, we will at some point do a commentary. Yeah. Yeah. I think the first so. time I ever saw it, I watched one all the way through and I think it was just starting up next. And I was like, oh, well, perfect. So yeah. I've only seen it that one time and in, in like following it directly after this one, it, it definitely didn't feel like it rose to the same heights. But yeah. I wonder also if I watched it again, if I'd be a little easier on it. I think for me the the joys of the second one come down to uh i get to spend a little more time with Absolutely. my friends i like these are my these are my friends i get to see them yep. again you know yeah and uh viewed at that level certainly i i'll always have a, a certain affinity for mm-hmm. it you know but let us know your thoughts on on ghostbusters uh, what what is your relationship with this movie you know if if you have any specific memories that come to mind let us know what those are definitely uh, send send those thoughts and notes to moviefilmpodcast at gmail.com. You can also hit like on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash moviefilmpodcast. Uh, as always, uh, please go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave a review, leave a star rating. Every little bit helps. And uh, let us know what other commentary tracks you'd like to see us uh, do in the in the weeks and months ahead. I think I think for us, we've got we've got a couple Matrix movies we got to talk. Oh to. yeah, yeah. Uh, which is fun, and, and we'll be back in our next regular show to hopefully talk through our reactions to Ghostbusters Afterlife. So that's also coming. Mm-hmm. I, now I'm especially excited being uh, re-immersed in this universe now. Uh, the, the timing could not have been more I apt, feel better right? equipped. Well, there we go. That, that wraps up our movie film Ghostbusters commentary. We hope you'll catch us for our next one. Thanks, everybody. Something strange in the neighborhood.
Yeah.